This week on Viewpoints. The coral animal itself actually has a translucent skeleton. Did you know that colorful underwater coral reefs are actually living animals? Then... You go into the lobby and it's just, it takes your breath away. It's a masterpiece of using building materials to create an artistic effect. It's safe to say there's nowhere in the world quite like the Big Apple. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. Uh, dashboard light problems? We can help. Our free fix finder service can read your check engine light, ABS light, and service indicator light, and give you possible solutions, verified by licensed technicians. You'll even get detailed results sent straight to your email so you have them when you need it most. It's the most complete free warning light report backed by technician verified fixes. The free fix finder service, only at AutoZone. Get in zone, More details at AutoZone.com. Have you ever seen a coral reef up close in person? Many can't say they have. These vibrant colonies come in all colors, shapes, and sizes and are typically found in clear, shallow tropical waters across the globe. Corals have existed for over 400 million years and are home to thousands of underwater species. But you might be surprised to hear that they aren't rocks or even plants like many assume. They're animals. They're these little polyps that are kind of like a sea anemone shape, but they also build outside of their body these limestone structures. And those structures are all different shapes and sizes and have holes and nooks and crannies. And so it really is like a city structure where tons and tons of animals find their homes in the different parts of the coral reef. That's Dr. Julie Burwald an ocean expert and author of the new book, Life on the Rocks, Building a Future for Coral Reefs. She says scientists estimate that around a quarter of all marine species live on coral reefs at some point in their life. A lot of animals in the ocean have larvae forms, and then they mature into adults, like caterpillars, into butterflies. And the larval forms of many, many marine species find their homes on the reef. So it's kind of like a nursery for marine creatures. Without these reefs, many species wouldn't have a safe place to grow, mate, and thrive. Remember the Pixar movie Finding Nemo? Marlin and his son Nemo, who are clownfish, live in the Great Barrier Reef off the coast of Queensland, Australia. The Great Barrier Reef is the largest coral reef system in the world, stretching over 1,400 miles. The early part of the film follows Nemo as he grows up in the protective walls of the colorful coral, surrounded by a bustling community of fish, crustaceans, and larger species like turtles, the living coral essentially acting as an underwater metropolis. So, what happens when this habitat disappears? To begin with, 
It jeopardizes the future of thousands of underwater animals. But humans also rely on coral, too. Because so many animals depend on the reefs, they grow up, a lot of them are fish, and they grow up to be fish that people catch. And so then it's estimated that between a half a billion and a billion people rely on the reefs for their primary source of protein. On top of this, coral reefs act as an important physical barrier between tropical land masses and violent ocean weather patterns. The coral reefs act as a huge absorber of wave energy. And when storms come hurling at tropical islands, they can absorb like 97% of the energy from storms. They're the best wave barrier we know of. Coral reefs play so many distinct roles that provide countless benefits to not only underwater species, but humans as well. However, in recent decades, as temperatures in the ocean warm, these organisms have been dying in record numbers in a phenomenon known as mass bleaching. To understand this occurrence, it's first important to have a basic knowledge of what these unique corals are made up of. The coral animal itself actually has a translucent skeleton, a translucent body. And so you see if there weren't these little tiny symbiotic algae called zooxanthellae, living inside the coral, it's a symbiotic relationship, then all you would see is the clear coral, translucent, you know, transparent coral animal over the white skeleton. So the color comes through this symbiotic relationship between the coral and the algae. And there are different types of zooxanthellae, and so there are different colors of coral. That's Dr. Helen Fox, the Conservation Science Director at the Coral Reef Alliance. Fox highlights that the algae living inside the coral is part of an incredible symbiotic relationship that creates the bright, colorful reefs we see. The plants photosynthesize, and that energy is basically food for the corals. But then the coral, because it's an animal, it makes waste. So nitrogen and phosphorus, just like human poop, basically. And that is like fertilizer for the plants. So that's how they grow. And also because of that process, that helps the coral animals secrete the calcium carbonate skeleton. So when you see a big boulder coral and then it grows, basically you're seeing it grows as it accretes or branching corals, they grow and spread as the calcium carbonate accretes. But when the environment changes, this symbiotic relationship comes to an end and the algae and coral separate causing the coral to starve and change in color in a process known as bleaching. Burwald says that massive coral reef bleaching events were first observed in the 1980s, but since then have become more common. When it first happened, I think scientists sort of thought it was a one-off, like, oh, there was a really bad El Nino this year that brought a heat wave across the Pacific Ocean, and that caused the corals to bleach over a huge swath of the ocean. But then in 1996, there was another one. And then in the early 2000s, there were more. And so I think the awareness that coral bleaching wasn't going away broke into the media's consciousness around that time in the early 2000s. And so there was a lot of coverage at that time. And since then, 
They haven't gone away. The mass bleachings just continue and continue. Last month, scientists reported another mass bleaching event at Australia's Great Barrier Reef when water temperatures spiked for several weeks, creating marine heat wave conditions. This period turned large stretches of beautiful coral into a ghostly wash of white. While these events are becoming more frequent, experts like Burwald say that coral reefs can sometimes revive themselves after these events. If the water cools down, the coral can be reinfected with algae and, you know, and it will recover. And what we're finding in today's oceans, which is really fascinating, I think, is that sometimes the coral are being recolonized with a different kind of algae that actually has a higher thermotolerance, so it can stay in the coral at higher water temperatures. But this other kind of algae, it's a little more selfish, and it doesn't feed the coral nearly as much sugar, so only about 60% of the sugar that it makes. So the coral is teaming up with a new business partner, basically, who is paying it less rent. It's a tough trade-off, but it may be what the coral needs to do to survive the warming seas. Fox says that organizations like the Coral Reef Alliance are focused on protecting several areas of coral reef so they don't permanently die off before they have a chance to adapt. Supporting diversity and keeping corals healthy in those areas through the threat reduction that we were talking about is the best way to support their evolutionary processes so that hopefully in the long run, if humans, if we get our act in gear on climate change and those carbon emissions do start to drop rapidly and quickly, there will be the genetic diversity to help ensure that corals can evolve and adapt to the future conditions of the world. Another threat to coral reefs is declining water quality caused by human activity. This pollution can also create an unstable environment for the corals and the many species living in the vicinity. The human development, for example, if there is construction or logging, things like that, or agriculture, there's often runoff from that. And, you know, when it rains, then there's dirt and silt and things like that that run off the land into the ocean. So I'm remembering I was diving once in the Solomon Islands for a research project, and you could see the former structure, like when I was talking about what it's like to dive among coral reefs, like you could see that there used to be this three-dimensional, beautiful structure of coral reef, but it was all covered with silt. And so there had been a lot of logging upland. And anytime it rained, instead of being clear water, it was like basically like diving in soup. We could barely see because there was so much silt and runoff from that. And Fox adds that there have been cases of human sewage making its way into the ocean, leading to greater rates of disease in corals. That extra nitrogen and all of the things from untreated wastewater or agriculture, things like that, cause the algae to grow, the water to get murky, which isn't good for corals. And also a lot of that human wastewater includes pathogens. So there has been a big increase in coral diseases. And that has also been traced to basically mismanagement or lack of management of human sewage. Burwald says that with the many challenges facing this species, some scientists are predicting that 99% of corals will be dead by 2050. While pollution plays a role in this, climate change is the biggest driver threatening the future of coral reefs. Getting our, the heating of our planet under control 
is really, really the most important thing we can do for the health of the coral reefs. The decline of healthy coral reefs is a great loss to Earth's biodiversity and is just one of the countless negative impacts of climate change. To find out more about coral reefs and our guests, Dr. Julie Burwald and Dr. Helen Fox, visit viewpointsradio.org. You can also check out Burwald's new book, Life on the Rocks, available online and in bookstores now. To learn more about the Coral Reef Alliance, head to coral.org. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price. Coming up, exploring the many architectural innovations of New York City when Viewpoints returns. You're not going to want to miss this. The deals at Kohl's right now are beyond epic. I just got some new bath towels for $3 each. Found the cutest kids' outfits for only 5 bucks, And got myself some tees and tank tops for just $7. But the best part? You don't need any coupons. Can earn Kohl's cash and get it all with free store pickup. Looks like April showers bring the flowers and the savings. Select styles. Sale ends April 24th. Some exclusions apply. See store Kohl's.com for details. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. I'm getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20. So am I, because I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. I'm asking about Prevnar 20 because there's a chance pneumococcal pneumonia could put me in the hospital. Age 65 or older, you may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I want to be able to keep my plans. So I'm asking my doctor about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20. The Empire State Building, Central Park, the Statue of Liberty, these are just some of the New York City attractions that millions of visitors flock to each year. In 2019, before the years-long tourism downturn caused by the pandemic, the East Coast Hub welcomed more than 66 million people. The Big Apple is commonly referred to as the center of the universe. It's a must-see destination that's chock-full of iconic history, culture, entertainment, and remarkable eats. Throughout the centuries, the city has been the point of entry for hundreds of millions of immigrants who've reached the shores of the U.S. in search of a better life. Go back to the mid-19th century after the end of the Civil War, and this growth from small city to large metropolis was taking off as waves of immigrants flowed into the hub. 
forcing an expansion of its borders. It was always a city that welcomed immigrants. But as they were coming over, they were forced to live in a very crowded area because there was a little bit of development north of, say, 14th Street, but most people were south of 14th Street. And it wasn't until after the Civil War, essentially, in the mid-1800s, that the city started to develop further north. That's Lori Lewis, a writer and editor who's lived in New York City for almost 40 years. Lewis is a longtime New York City tour guide and the owner of Take a Walk New York Tours, which specializes in private walking tours of the city. She's also the author of the book New York City Firsts, Big Apple Innovations That Changed the Nation and the World. For years, she's been uncovering the many achievements stemming from New York, one of these being the advent of taller, larger buildings constructed with a more modern and effective design and better materials like cast iron and steel. Take the Chrysler Building, for instance, which opened in 1930. Lewis says at its base, the structure is wide and boxy, but as you get higher up, it becomes narrower. You eventually end up with just a small tower on top of this tall box. And as a result, we have the beautiful skyline that we have today. So the Chrysler Building is an example of what happened as a result of that 1916 zoning law. But it's other things as well. It's an Art Deco structure. Art Deco was becoming very popular in the late 1920s and early 1930s. And if you go into the Chrysler Building, even before you enter, you'll notice this beautiful exterior doorway. You go into the lobby and it's just, it takes your breath away. It's a masterpiece of using building materials to create an artistic effect, which is part of what Art Deco is. Also, as you look at the Chrysler Building high up, you'll see the hood ornaments that were suggestive of the hood ornaments on Chrysler cars. But less than a year after the Chrysler Building was finished, the Empire State Building opened its doors. Suddenly, there was a new skyscraper in town that took the title of world's tallest building. It wasn't until 1970 that the Empire State Building relinquished its title as another New York high-rise stepped into its shoes, the World Trade Center. And the towering high-rises aren't the only architectural marvel. The massive bridges spanning the East River connect the people of New York together. Lewis highlights, however, that these nearby landmasses were not always part of the city. One of the things that all three of the East River crossings achieved, but the Brooklyn Bridge first, because it was the first bridge, Brooklyn at that time was a separate city from New York. And already, because ferry services started early in the century, already Brooklyn had become a suburb of New York. It's called America's first suburb. But when the Brooklyn Bridge opened and then subsequently the Manhattan and the Williamsburg Bridge, these bridges opened and made it so much easier for people to live in Brooklyn and commute to work in the city. And so the whole suburban development really took off as a result of these bridges. There are several bridges across the Big Apple, but the most prominent are the Brooklyn, Williamsburg and Manhattan bridges. If you're visiting New York soon, bike or walk across the scenic Brooklyn or Williamsburg Bridge instead of driving. 
Each year, hundreds of thousands of tourists snap a picture on the Brooklyn Bridge with its prominent stone towers with pointed arches rising up in the background. The architectural feat took 14 years to build and finally opened in the summer of 1883. At the time, it was a revolutionary concept of how do you build a span across a river that's this big and this deep? And so what they had to do in creating the Brooklyn Bridge was to sink caissons into the East River. The construction crew would go down into those caissons and drill until they hit bedrock, which was quite a long drill, <laughs> quite a long time. So it was a fascinating piece of workmanship, and the result is just a beautiful, beautiful bridge. And once back on land, another spot that's on many tourists' must-see list is Central Park. The urban abode created in 1858 is located in the heart of Manhattan and is a rectangle stretching two and a half miles long and half a mile wide. The city leaders felt that New York needed a big public park to show that we aren't just a city of commerce. We're not just a city where people work all the time. And we are a city that appreciates beauty and that gives its citizens something. And happily, even as building materials made it possible to build on the land that is now Central Park. I mean, if you go there and, and just look east or west, you'll see high rises all around you, residential high rises. But the city left the land for a park for which I and most New Yorkers and tourists, too, are very grateful. If you're spending an afternoon in Central Park, Lewis recommends stopping at the Bethesda Fountain and then heading north to see the Alice in Wonderland statues near the model boat pond. From there, the north end of the park offers a different environment. It's a beautiful, more natural feeling area. It was not leveled as much so that you get more hills there than you do elsewhere. And you walk into the woodlands there and you truly do feel that you have left the city. If you go there early in the morning, if you go either to the North Woods or to the Ramble, which is the woodland in the central part of the park, you will not be alone. There will be tons of bird watchers there. And so it's a safe area because there are other people around. Whether you're visiting Central Park, touring a museum, or simply just in New York for Broadway or business, the city boasts a vibrant and massive landscape that's quite unlike anything else on Earth. Without the many innovations of early New Yorkers, who knows where the Big Apple would be today? To find out more about this topic and our guest, Lori Lewis, visit viewpointsradio.org. You can also check Lewis's new book, New York City Firsts, available online and in bookstores now. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Viewpoints returns in just a moment. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Thinking about gas mileage? Keep your engine at its best with clean oil from Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic. Got an older vehicle? Use Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic High Mileage. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $35.99. 
get what you need for better fuel efficiency at any of our 6,000 stores or on AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. The multiverse is a hot concept right now, worlds on top of worlds that are nearly identical but with slight variations is the perfect setting for all kinds of stories. Most famously, comic stories have long explored the multiverse, and recently both Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man No Way Home used decades of audience knowledge to create a multiverse tale. But there's a problem with those movies, and I guess it's pretty obvious when you stop to think about it. Those kind of multiverse stories necessitate the audience to have a working knowledge of decades of comics and movie content. But now there's a new entry in the multiverse landscape, and it's a standalone. The movie is called Everything Everywhere All at Once, and it's directed by a duo known as Daniels. Michelle Yeoh stars in the movie, which allows audiences to jump into the action-packed topic of multiverses without needing to know years of comic book backstory. But Everything Everywhere All at Once is also much more than just a multiverse movie. It's a hilarious comedy, an absurdist masterpiece, and the rare modern hit that balances its whimsy and its storytelling. In an age when so many movies use characters as pawns to get to the big special effects climax, Everything Everywhere All at Once uses its big special effects sequences in service of its characters. The special effects, and not the people, are the pawns. It's a unique movie and may not be for everyone, but it truly is one of the most exhilarating things I've seen in theaters in years. Everything Everywhere All at Once is now playing. I'm Evan Rook. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone, America's number one brakes destination. We have the pads, rotors, drums, shoes, and brake fluids to improve your stopping power. Right now, save 15% when you get any two Duralast rotors with a set of Duralast brake pads. Missing a tool? Ask about our free loan a tool program and borrow the tools you need to get the job done. AutoZone. Claim based on data from the MPD Group 2021. Deposit required for loan a tool. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. And that's Viewpoints for this week. 
Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. Viewpoints.